All right, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. If you're in the YouVersion Bible app, um, you can turn, I'll be in the CSB primarily, um, but our, the majority of where we will be is Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It's in your outline. It'll also be on the screen um, for you to follow along uh, with us. Um, there will be some other p- passages. Those are also going to be provided for you as well. Um, but last week, we learned that we can intimately know God, but that promise that was given to us by Solomon that he was writing to his son was conditional. Um, one of the conditions of that, the starting point of that knowledge, is having a proper reverence, or as the Bible will use the word fear, um, of God, is having a proper reverence of God in order to intimately know him. As Solomon wrote in Proverbs 1-7, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so a proper reverence of God helps us to intimately know him. But Solomon says a fool despises wisdom and discipline. That word discipline um, means the act of being instructed or corrected in matters of morality. So the fool um, despises being instructed in matters of truth and wisdom and that of morality. The fool knows, as we talked about last week, what is right and what is true, but they um, ignore it. They, they intentionally ignore it. They reject it. They're not unlearned. That's the simple. That, that's those that um, are not instructed yet. Um, so when you're simple, you have the opportunity to either learn wisdom or to, um, well, you're going to learn wisdom at some point. You're going to learn truth, but you'll then have a choice whether or not you embrace that and you walk in that or whether and you practice that, or whether or not you're going to reject it and kind of live life your own way and how you choose. And so um, here we see that the fool despises the truth. They despise the wisdom that is given to them and that has been taught to them, especially when it comes to matters of morality. Now, uh, we know in a mixed audience, there may be people of wide ranging opinions and um, thought. Um, Today, um, we're not not talking political, we're talking moral, we're talking morality. We're, we're saying, welcome to 2022, where a young child, like my son, when he was growing up, he wanted to be a fire truck when he grew up. How many of you wanted to be something that was like crazy? I, I'm Superman, so I want to be human, but, um, but I mean, you want to be a superhero, you want to be a fire truck, you want to, he wanted to be a fire truck, not a fireman. And so today, the same children who want to be a fire truck when they grow up can find willingly adults to um, be their accomplice in helping them mutilate themselves to be something that they're not. Let's just be honest today about the the level of morality that we are as as a people, not just as a country, but as a people because it's worldwide. Where, where these children can find a willing accomplice in an adult who will help them because they may have young, youthful ignorance about or confusion about um, how God designed them and, and created them. 
Or, or maybe they like some things because we stereotype and because, you know, maybe they like to play with things that typically we assign or we associate to being the opposite gender of themselves. And so now we live in a day in 2022 where adults will come along and say, oh, well, you must be something that you're not, or you must be that which you're confused because we wouldn't come along and we wouldn't say to our son, oh, yes, you're a fire truck. We wouldn't come along and say, yeah, you're a dog because you're, bar- you're hopping around the, the house barking like the dog. But in 2022, we live in a day where we have willing adults who will um, do this with children. We live in a day and in a moment of time where groups are trying to make pedophilia acceptable as a sexual identity. Who, who say, oh, we, we should accept this as being a part of who someone is. We're in a time where there is an all-out assault on traditional God-ordained marriage, the only marriage that you will find in Scripture. And so this is where um, we, we, we have these discussions from time to time, where we might have differences of opinion from time to time. And this is what I always say as a pastor. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't base our beliefs on political lines. We don't base our beliefs on media. We don't base our beliefs on opinion. We base our beliefs on the Word of God. We base our beliefs on Scripture. And so if we're ever going to disagree, then we have to disagree on the truth of God's Word. And so if, if God's Word points us in a direction and shows us something, that's what we accept as truth. Not politics, not what's popular, not what's in the media. The, the truth does not change with time. The truth is actually what holds us and sustain, sustains us through time as time changes. And so... We, we live in a day and in a moment of time where there are groups of people who they, there's an all-out assault on God-ordained um, marriage, God-designed marriage between one biological male and one biological female. This is the time that we live in as people. And what we do and what you'll see even in TV and in media is they normalize and they celebrate multi-relational um, marriages, multi-relational relationships. It's all online. A, a video popped up or a thing popped up on one of the media channels this week. And you should have seen the comments celebrating and encouraging these multi-relationship, polyamorous, uh, polygamy marriages, polyamorous relationships, on and on and on. And yet, if we as people speak up, and we as people say, well, this is the truth of God's word, we're not only labeled as bigots, but we're also labeled, we're we're censored, and we are attempted to be canceled. That's the day that we live in. That no longer can you speak up based on your understanding of God's word and truth, which used to be a guiding principle and an acceptable principle. But in 2022, it is now being diminished to such a point that you're the bigot. It's not your belief. Your beliefs are bigoted. And they censor and they try to silence you. We're living in a day where the simple, the unlearned, And the fool are both in positions of power, and they're using those positions of power to levy their influence to encourage and normalize evil and foolish behavior. That's the day we live in. We live in a post-Christian society. We we, we live in a day that, yes, we still have the freedoms that we have, but it's no longer just embraced and welcomed, especially in the public discourse. 
And so you're facing a day and a moment in your life where you're going to be faced with a decision. Do I choose to take the truth that I've been taught, that I've been raised with, that I hear on on Sundays, that I learn in community group, and am I going to make it a part of the practice of my life, or am I going to bend and am I going to break because of the influence of our culture and our society? Because I might be silenced, because I might be labeled. And so this is bigger than just, um, you know, talking about being a healthy Christian. This is bigger than just wisdom and knowledge and the things that we talked about last week. Because you're going to come up against a challenge and your children are going to come up against a larger challenge. I am so grateful for Christian parents who raised me and a dad who said, hey, the days are going to get worse and worse and worse. He didn't teach me that, hey, you, you can just look forward to this, you know, escapism to where, you know, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rapture you and you're going to be taken out. You're going to escape all the persecution and all the oppression and all the problems. Because back in the 80s, when I was born, the greatest decade ever, when, when I was born, um, things were still pretty acceptable from a Christian perspective. It was like the rise of, you know, Christian conservatism and those type of things. I mean, like, it wasn't shunned and it wasn't uh, pushed up against. But my dad always said, things are going to get worse in America. Times are going to get more difficult. It's going to be harder to stand. He was preparing his children to understand that there's going to be a challenge to the things that he was teaching us, and now I see it. And it's probably worse than even as a child that you're growing up thinking that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. Now think about your children and your grandchildren and their children and what they might face. So what we're talking about today is very important because we have the ignorant and we have the fool who are in positions of power and they are promoting and pushing evil, foolish behavior that opposes the ways of God. And we have to understand not only what truth is, but also understand what wisdom is and knowledge is and understanding is so that we can make the right choice as followers of Jesus. Because that's my desire for each of us. And so how did we get here? How did we get here as a people? How did, how did my dad know that as I was a child and I was being raised, that days would get worse and worse and worse? He knew it because you can just look in society, just because something is accepted doesn't mean that there's not movements where there's an opposition and where um, there is a lack of reverence for God. Because that's how we got here, is when there's a lack of reverence for God. Because it's that reverence for God that is the starting place of knowledge, that intimate knowledge of God. So when we look at our world and we look at our country and we look at our society, we say, how are we so far from God? How do people not intimately know God? It's because they lack a reverence for God. Because it is that, that knowledge, that fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge. And we talked about last week that word knowledge is referring to an intimate knowledge of God. Knowing him, knowing his ways. And so we can look into society and that's how we know it's going to get worse. That's why you have to understand and you have to be prepared as a Christian that you're not always going to be embraced. It's not always going to be freedom and acceptance of what you believe. It might be today, but you can look at society. You can look at the world around you and go, is there a reverence for God? 
Because if there's not a reverence for God, then that knowledge, that, that, that understanding of his way will be lacking. And so that's how we've gotten here. Without that reverence, we don't intimately know God or understand his ways. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You can write this down. God is the source of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. God is the source of all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. How do you possess the proper discernment for life? How do you discern if they're the right person to marry? How do you discern if they're a trustworthy friend? How do you discern if that's a good business partnership for you? How do you discern if that's a wise investment? How do you discern if that philosophy that's being promoted and taught, that it's of God, that it is truth, that it is the right way? When God is the source of your knowledge, you gain godly discernment. You discern things according to truth. You discern things according to his word, not according to your opinion, not according to your emotions, not according to your feelings, but according to truth. Why? Because he is the source of that knowledge. There is nothing that, is in, that, that you need in life. There is no answer. There is no direction. There is no knowledge or understanding. There is no wisdom that you need in all of life, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships, it does not matter. There is nothing in all of life that you cannot find in the truth of God's word, that you cannot find the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding through the truth of scripture. And so that word knowledge means perception and discernment. So, so when the scripture says for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That word knowledge means you could say from his mouth comes perception and discernment. So how do you perceive what's true? How do you perceive what is right? How do you have the proper discernment about what is evil and what is good? What is healthy and what is beneficial or what is um, not beneficial for your life? It comes from the scriptures. God's breathed out word given to you from his mouth comes perception. From his mouth comes discernment. And so how do you gain insight and intelligence for decision making? We all have to make decisions in life for making the right choice in the midst of temptation or hurt feelings. How do you have the intelligence and the insight to make the right choice for long-term benefits rather than short-term grati uh, gratification? for making the right choice when there are no clear answers. Those times where it's like, what decision do I make? This seems good and this seems good. This seems right and this seems right. This seems wrong and this seems wrong, but I've got to make a decision. How do I discern that? How, how do I have the intelligence and the insight to make that right decision for doing the right thing as a leader, a parent or a spouse? How do you have insight into what pleases God and what honors him? Life is full of decisions. Every day is full of decisions. We, we make choices every day. Some of them will impact us for a season. It might impact us in the short term. Some are going to impact us for the long term. Some of your choices, one choice in particular, will impact you for eternity. Every day you make choices. Every day you make decisions. And so 
how do we have the insight and the intelligence to make the right decisions? You make wise choices when God is your source. When his word is, I know it's so basic. It's like, I came here for you to tell me that I just got to look to the Bible. That's it. I mean, thank you. Thank you for, it's that simple. God's word, his breathed out word from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If you need understanding, it's in God's word. That word understanding means insight and intelligence. From his mouth come insight. From his mouth comes intelligence. So if you're lacking that insight, if you're lacking that intelligence, the answer is found in God's word. The answer is found in the truth of scripture. And that's how you know, whether it be pastors, ministry leaders, or just your best friend or your parent, when you see them walk and go astray, they're following after Jesus, they're doing the right thing, they're living according to God's word, and they're doing all the right things, but all of a sudden they make a foolish decision. They enter into a relationship that destroyed your home. They made a business decision that was um, corrupt or whatever that might be. And you go, how did they do that? How did it get to that point? At some point, they started ignoring the truth of God's word. At some point, maybe they quit studying it. They, start, they stopped reading it. They stopped applying it. That's how that happens. Why? Because out of God's mouth comes knowledge, which is perception and discernment. Out of his mouth comes understanding, which is insight and intelligence. It doesn't matter what you were told growing up. It doesn't matter what your grades were growing up. You might have flunked everything that you attempted in life, but you can still be intelligent. You can still be wise. That's why the Bible says that he chooses the foolishness of preaching. He uses some of the most unqualified men in the Bible to be pastors and to be elders. And you look and you go, whoa, how did that happen? You're like, how, how did Nick get up there? It's crazy. Because my intelligence didn't come from man. It comes from his word. It comes from scripture. And so Proverbs 8, 12 says this, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. Look, if you need good judgment, or if you're lacking good judgment, it could be that you need to look to God's word for discernment, for direction, for truth, because wisdom lives with good judgment. Wisdom is the source of discovering knowledge and discernment. Scripture, God's breathe out word, gives discernment for decision making. Before you make a decision, before you buy that home, before you take that job, before you have that conversation, before you enter into that relationship, what does God say about it? What does his word say about it? Do you think that you're going to get into that relationship and they're not a believer, but somehow you're going to be the great missionary to them? It's funny because you don't share the gospel in your office and you don't share the gospel in the school and you don't share the gospel in any other place, but you're going to get in this relationship and somehow you're going to influence them and you're going to lead them to Christ and win them over. And so you can ignore the scripture where it talks about being unequally yoked and what fellowship does light have with darkness because of lust, but you're going to win them over. 
You, somehow, because you're different than their former two or three wives or two or three husbands or whatever that situation is, and if that's been your situation, I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying the, the brokenness of the relationships because of the lack of the wisdom and discernment and intelligence in, in, that, in that home and in that relationship. But, but you're, you're going to be different than them because it's you. But yet, what does Scripture say about that? What does God's Word say about that? Does He say to be a missionary to your future mate because you can win them over? No, He says, don't be unequally yoked. So in some place, lust has to take a back, a back seat to truth, and, and infatuation has to take a back seat to truth, and you have to say, here's my priorities. Here's my principles. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, I'm looking for someone who is going to walk with me in this relationship with Christ, and that's not you. And I don't want you to just come to church for me and saying all the right things for me. Now, you go to church, you place your faith in Jesus for salvation, you show some, some historic-like evidence that you're following after him, and then maybe we can talk. Then maybe we can have a relationship. That's how you have that kind of discernment. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But that's how your life leads to success and not difficulty and not falling apart because God's word is truth and it always leads you well. And so Proverbs 2, 7 and 8 goes on and says, He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. You can write this down. Wisdom will make you resourceful. Wisdom will make you resourceful. Once again, we're talking about the benefits of wisdom. Wisdom will make you resourceful. God stores up success for the upright. That word success, hold on, because I'm going to give you the meaning for it, because some of you are thinking, man, I can be a millionaire. Yes, I can have that Ferrari, whatever. You're like, success is on the way. That's not what it's talking about. But wise people, to be wise, you choose to live in God's ways, to live according to his truth. So, so you might think, that you can convince that person to follow Jesus because they love you so much that they're going to follow your influence or whatever that might be. But a wise person goes ahead and follows Scripture, no matter how difficult it might be, no matter hard, how hard it might be, they, they follow in God's way. Solomon said, when we choose to live uprightly or in righteousness, God stores up success for us. To store something up is to accumulate it, to kind of build it up for a time of need. So, so but that's like savings. Proverbs talks about setting um, aside an inheritance for your children. It talks about being prepared for the difficult seasons. Like, you, you, you know, there's seasons um, that God gives us where you plant one season, it grows, and then you harvest that. And then there's a season where you put that away for the season where you're, nothing's growing. And, and so there's wisdom in that. There's, there's guidance in that. And so uh, the wise person follows after Scripture and he says, when you do so, he is going to store up for you success. He's going to accumulate it. He's going to set it aside for that time of need. That word success actually means resourcefulness. So wisdom is going to make you resourceful. 
It's going to give you a resourcefulness in this life. God makes the wise resourceful. Resourcefulness isn't necessarily monetary um, wealth. It could be, but it also could be knowing how to take that last $20 that you have in your bank account and stretching it until payday. I, I learned that a lot growing up. I've told you, there, were, there, were, there was a time my dad took a church and they could barely even pay uh, him and to support our family. And we ate eggs, like, you know, like Bubba Gump with shrimp, like the, you know, boiled shrimp, fried shrimp, all those kind of, we knew every way to cook eggs because that's what we had. But there were, there were families who would bring groceries so that we could have food to eat. And you want to talk about being resourceful and helping stretch that and make that go uh, long distances. God gave my parents the wisdom, the resourcefulness to, to do that. And so it might not be like great wealth, like you're thinking success. It might be you've got $20 for the next week and a half, and you've got to stretch that to get back and forth to work, to eat, and, and to live life. It might be helping your business to negotiate good contracts, things that will help your business. It could be the knowledge to do your own home renovations or auto repairs or other skills like sewing so you can repair your own clothes because you're resourceful. You're not having to pay someone double and triple the money to renovate your home, to, to make that repair that's, um, th that needs to be made um, in your home or the, the repair that needs to be made in your vehicle to get back and forth to work, to get your kids to school. And so God gives you a resourcefulness to be able to do that on your own so that you can um, save money, so that you can live life in the way that you need to, to provide for your family. Resourcefulness isn't just great wealth. It's not the success that we're thinking, it's God making you resourceful whether you have a little or a lot. It's taking what you have and helping it go further. He says that's what he does for those who walk in uprightness. We can see this even in Malachi where it talks about the tithe and he talks about he'll withhold the, 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 some of the, the problems and the difficulties in life. He says that he will, he says to test him in that. God cares for his children. God cares for his people. It doesn't mean that you won't have difficulties. It doesn't mean that you won't have struggles and, and difficult times. What it means is he's going to sustain you through that. He'll make you resourceful through that. Why? How, how are you going to be resourceful? Through discernment, through discretion, through intelligence, through insight that maybe. Like one day it just hits you in the shower. That's my thinking place because it's quiet. It's comfortable. Um, that's where a lot of my best, my, my like best thoughts have come. It could be that all of a sudden you're praying and asking God for wisdom. You're asking him for insight, maybe through the Holy Spirit. You're looking to his word and searching it. And then all of a sudden it just hits you like a light bulb. The light clicks on and you go, that's the decision I need to make. That's what I need to do. And there's your insight. There's your wisdom. It goes on to say, he is a shield for those, the, the second part of that verse, he is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. You can write this down. Wisdom helps protect those who possess it and use it. Wisdom helps protect those who possess it and use it. When followers of Jesus make the decision to walk in uprightness and be guided by wisdom, God is a shield for them. 
He, he surrounds and protects them. At some point, you are, you're going to have to make a decision in your life, and, and um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because we all have to make hard, difficult decisions. It might be a decision that you have greater insight in, maybe because of your experience or because of your knowledge of God's Word. And here's the reality. Not everyone's going to have that insight. And that means not everyone's going to agree with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to have an insight from God's Word that not everybody's going to have. You're going to have an insight just because you have lived your life from knowledge and from the experience or the knowledge that comes from that experience that others looking in have not had the experience that you've had. And so they're not going to have that full insight and knowledge, but you're going to have to make the difficult decision. You're going to have to make the difficult choice. And so there will be times where people disagree with you. Some of those people might abandon their relationship with you. Some might completely turn against you and stand against you. You might be 100% right and have very little support and still have people turn against you and even do evil against you. But you don't have to fear those people according to God's word. You don't have to fear their harmful words or their actions. When you allow wisdom to guide your decisions and you know it's coming from God's word and you know that you have, you have received that insight whether it be through personal experience, whether it be through scripture, through prayer, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, when you allow wisdom to guide your choices, regardless of what anybody else accepts, approves, understands, the scripture tells us God will protect you and be your defender. He'll ensure that you receive justice. He is a shield for those who live with integrity. He is your defender. They might cancel you from their life, but they cannot cancel your influence. They might cancel you out of their own sphere of influence, but they can't cancel your influence in this world and cancel your influence for Jesus. If, if there's one thing that he does, he protects us from being canceled. That's a famous thing for, you know, our day and time. Oh, they got canceled. They're trying to cancel them. You can't be canceled. You can't be silenced. And even if you're silenced, then it's only a benefit for you because the only way that you should be silenced is you're dead and in the grave, and then you're in glory with Jesus. So it's a benefit. But you choose to silence yourself. You choose to shut your own mouth. You choose to back off yourself. No one else can do that to you. And that's why we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters on a weekly basis, because they stand in face of opposition. They stand even when they're beaten and thrown into prison. They stand and they speak the truth and they live by the truth, even when they know that they could lose their life. That's why we pray for them, because they're an encouragement to us. They're an example to us that we too can stand on what is true and what is right and what is wise. Because if we don't and we, we go against it, then the Bible says we're the fool. And so Romans 12, 19 says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. You don't have to repay. You don't have to defend yourself. Vengeance belongs to him. He will repay. He is your shield. He is your defender. Here's your responsibility. Make sure you're living according to righteousness. 
be that person whose scripture would say is the upright. Live according to wisdom. That is your responsibility. And that's a big enough responsibility. It's not your job to defend yourself. It's not your job to get vengeance for yourself. That belongs to God. He says, I will repay, says the Lord. And so this should give us confidence to always do the right thing. Always do the right thing. Always stand for the right thing. Always say the right thing. Because you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to be a shield for yourself. You only have to trust that God is sovereign and he will defend you in his way and in his time. And that's what we don't like because we want it in our way and in our time. Here's what we need to learn to do, starting with me. We need to start learning to have grace and mercy towards our enemies, to love our enemies and to pray for them, rather than wanting to see the vengeance and the, the punishment and the bad consequences for them. We need to instead go, hey, has God given me mercy and he's given me grace? And so therefore I need to give that to them as well. And he still will repay and he still will get vengeance. But that does not need to be the condition of our heart. Because I would challenge, if it is, are we truly walking in righteousness? Are we truly being upright if we so desire blood that we're just waiting to see? Oh, is that it? Is he going to go bankrupt? Is he going to... Is, is he going to get his due diligence? Is she going to get, is she going to lose her friends? We don't need to be that way. Walking in righteousness is living according to mercy and grace. Proverbs 22, 3 says, the prudent sees danger and sees, uh, pr- pr- sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. A wise person sees reality. That they, they, when their path leads to danger or trouble, they take precaution the unlearned person and the fool see what they want to see from the perspective they want to see it. They ignore and they miss the signs of danger and trouble and eventually suffer for it. And I'm going to shoot through these because of time, but wisdom will teach you to slow down and think before you act. It'll teach you to assess the future, not just in the moment, not just how you feel. Wisdom will teach you to test the spirits because not all spirits are of God. And so just because they sound spiritual, just because they sound religious, you need to test those spirits because not all spirits are from God. Wisdom will teach you to trust, but verify. Sure, trust your friends, trust your family, trust your leaders, but verify that what they say is true. Even the closest of friends will withhold truth or tell one side of a story. Trust, but verify. Wisdom will teach you that all pleasure is temporary, but the consequences of sin are long-term. The person in the office, the person you work with, might be easy and easy on the eyes. They might give you the attention that you're not getting at home, but they will wreck your life, they'll wreck your family, and they'll wreck your future. Water the grass on your side of the fence. Stop looking at someone else's grass on their side of the fence. It's probably been spray painted. It's fake. All sin is pleasurable for a moment, but the consequences are long-term. Proverbs 2, 10 through 19, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion. 
whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a wayward woman with her flattering talk. Who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God? For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life. The wise person looks ahead, assesses the future. They see beyond the moment, beyond their personal feelings and emotions. They see if the path is clear and beneficial or if it's full of danger. The wise person uses discernment to make their decisions. Solomon says the wisdom and knowledge um, is what leads to true pleasure and delight. He said, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. It's not the things of the world that will delight you. It's the things of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom protects you from being led astray in ways that will harm you. He said, discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will guard you from being wrapped up in the many ways of evil, the perverse conversation that corrupts your mind, the friendships who walk in darkness rather than in light, the people who celebrate and participate in perverse behavior. We often relate um, being perverse as like just sexual. Perverse is this, showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that's unreasonable or unacceptable, often in spite of the consequences. And so we live in a perverse generation. All of those things that we opened up talking about, about our generation, is perverse behavior. It's not just sex and sexual behavior, as many think, but it's any unreasonable and unacceptable behavior. It's anything that is opposite of God's way and God's truth. Perversion is anything that opposes the light and life of Jesus as found in his word. It's deceiving people that what you're leading them to do will lead to life and satisfaction and fulfillment, but it only leads to death and destruction and despair. That's what perverse is. Wisdom will guard you from the promiscuous person. So here Solomon uses what would be tempting to his son, and he uses the reference of a forbidden and wayward woman. But because this is written to his, his son, he's speaking in a term that it would be the uh, wayward and forbidden. He's not picking on women here. But what he's using is an illustration of what would be tempting to his son. And that's why I say wisdom will guard you from a promiscuous person because, ladies, that man could be the promiscuous person who is forbidden and wayward, who is tempting you or you are tempted by. It might be a perverse man. It might be a single good man, but you're the married woman in a covenant marriage. And so, therefore, he is forbidden. And therefore, you are the forbidden woman to him. And so it's not just picking on women and saying it's only women who are wayward and women who are forbidden in this way. He's writing it to his son. So ladies, this is just as much wisdom for you and just as much protection for you as it is for a man. Wisdom will protect you and guard you from destroying your marriage and destroying your home because of the promiscuous person. And my final scripture is Proverbs 9, 12. And it says, if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. That's as clear as it gets. If you become wise, you will benefit. But if you scorn wisdom, if you are the fool, 
who despises wisdom, despises instruction and knowledge, especially when it comes to matters of morality, you will be the one to suffer. You will suffer. God gave us his word so we can know him and his ways. God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can know him and we can know his word more and even better. And so we all have a choice. Choose to search for wisdom as if it's hidden treasure and benefit from it. Or we can mock it, we can scorn it, and we can suffer the consequences for it. If you lack wisdom today, you've got God's permission. We talked about this last week. You have God's permission to ask for it. And he promises that he will lavish it on us in abundance. He will not do it begrudgingly. He will not do it in rebuke, but he will lovingly lavish it on you as a loving father so that you can be wise and you can have knowledge and understanding. And so today, what will you choose? What will you choose? To be healthy by being wise or to profess Christ but walk foolishly? My encouragement to you today is to choose wisdom. Choose knowledge. Choose understanding because you can. It's in your power. You don't have to look back 10 years from now and go, man, I wish I would have made a different decision. Man, how did I get here? How did, how did this happen? You don't have to do that. You don't have to waste your life. Choose wisdom today. Let's pray. God, Thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you have given us in your word. We thank you. I thank you, Father, that there is nothing that we face in life that um, we do not have the answer for, that we do not have discernment for, that we do not have insight and intelligence for, because you've given us your word. And it's from your mouth that we have knowledge and understanding. And so, Father, you've given us a choice We can try to walk through life on our own. We can try to walk through life according to our emotions and our feelings. Or we can do the simple thing of looking to your word, trusting it, trusting that you're a good father, that you love us, and that you have given us your word to give us insight into not only who you are, but also into what you desire of us so that we can live for your glory, but also that it will benefit us for our good. And so, God, help us to be wise every day, to seek wisdom as if it were hidden treasure, to be diligent in it, to be passionate about finding the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that we need from it. May we know that it comes directly from you, that it is perfect, and it is perfect for our life. So help us to trust you enough that we can trust your word. May we look to it to be guided in our decisions, in our understanding, in even our beliefs, our viewpoints, our lifestyle, rather than what the world teaches us, politics teaches us, the media teaches us. And so God, my simple prayer today is help us to be wise, which means help us to choose you above all else. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.